it's your favorite midwife, Christine, here with the Birth Exchange Podcast again. Whew, I'm so glad to have this episode because I am with my dear friend, Dr. Hedwig St. Louis, who is a board-certified physician here in Atlanta, Georgia, serving the women in Atlanta. And I wanted to bring you on, Dr. Didi. Can I call you Dr. Didi? Please do. Dr. Didi, I'm so glad you're with us today because I feel like we can have a very healthy conversation mm-hmm. about the issues and topics going on in the birth community, you know? Absolutely. Between Absolutely. midwife, between doctor, and just on a professional level, just bringing some, I don't know, alliance? Yes. <laughs> right? Yes, yes, yes. That's yes, the word. Absolutely. Um, when we talk about the different issues that we're um, dealing with. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we both have our own experiences absolutely, in caring for women. And I just wanted to be able to share with people um, on this platform. Absolutely. So can you please just introduce yourself and tell us who you are and where you are? <laughs> who am I? Where am I? <laughs> uh, so I'm uh, OBGYN in Atlanta. Um, my name is Hedwig St. Louis, but I go by um, Dee St. Louis. My patients call me Dr. Dee Dee. Mm-hmm. Uh, my daughter, when she was three had this little thing which is like call Dr. Didi if you want to have a play date with me so <laughs> they kind of just stuck Beautiful. um I've been at OBGYNs oh for 20 years now mm. um and I've been in Atlanta for 17 years yeah 17 years this year um and I've done a little bit of everything I was in private practice absolutely love private practice but um it wasn't my calling. Okay. So I enjoyed my patients. Some of my patients became my friends, but mm-hmm. it just wasn't my calling to be in the private office. And so um, I went to Morehouse where I did, I've been teaching at Morehouse since 2010, roughly. Mm-hmm. Um, I've also worked with Planned Parenthood, um, did a lot of legislative stuff, really learn about um, what's going on in the Southeast outside of just obstetrics. Sure. Um, in one of your episodes, you were talking about women's health care just as a whole, not just focusing on obstetrics. And so um, working at Planned Parenthood gave me a chance to really hear what women outside of metropolitan cities, what they're going through and some of the prejudices or racism, violence, whatever word you want to put on that. Um, But the way that they're being treated um, outside of the metropolitan Mm -hmm. areas of the South. Um, And then... I left Planned Parenthood and I became an OB hospitalist and Mm. I think I finally found my calling. Mm. Um, So an OB hospitalist essentially what we are, are obstetrician that strictly care for women in the hospital. We do not have offices, we don't provide office services. Mm -hmm. We are sort of the the backup physician so that women who come to labor in the hospital if their provider is not able to make it or if their provider is busy with another emergency, we're there to make sure that these women are safe, that mm-hmm. they're laboring in a safe environment. At least that is the purpose of being a hospitalist, to provide a safety net for women who are coming to the hospital. Um, and so I did, I've been doing it since 2019. Um, I was at AMC before AMC closed and really, really enjoyed uh, working in that community, really mm-hmm. learned a lot about um, the things that we don't talk about in the OB community, not just focusing on some of the experiences that women do discuss, but really talking about um, homelessness in mm-hmm. obstetrics, mm-hmm. Um, talking about um, 
patients who are illegally here mm -hmm. and who are pregnant. I think we often talk about a lot of the populations that we're more familiar with, but we don't talk about those women who are really on the fringe, who are either homeless, have mental health issues, um, are illegally here, mm -hmm. may not speak English properly. And so um, it gave me a chance to really work with that patient population. And um, I learned a lot. There's a lot that we, we're missing. Even those of us who are actively out there, we're missing so much. Mm -hmm. So, I love that you said being an OB hospitalist is your calling. I don't think I've ever heard a physician say that. <laughs> <laughs> you know why? Because you do. You're at. You're on the front lines mm -hmm. of whatever walks into the hospital. Yep. And so you are the physician responsible on call to take care of anything that comes to you mm -hmm. and at you. Um. So that's a very, I'm sure, very stressful role to be in. But what I hear you saying is that you get to kind of uh, touch people, people's lives in different ways. It like, does. You, and I think what I've learned being a hospitalist is to really walk in a room with no preconceived notions, mm. right? I think um, when we're in private practice, you have that little model of, yes. you know, who you're going to work with, what your, who your patients are. Mm -hmm. um, when you're in the the reproductive justice activism, sure. you know, you and I cross paths all the time. Like mm -hmm. there's that little population that we're we're addressing yes. and that we're yes. helping to vocalize what their needs are. And then there's that population that nobody really talks about, right? The mm. patient who has mental health issues and doesn't want to be pregnant, who, you know, Nobody wants to make the decisions for her, but they don't want to allow her to make decisions for herself. Mm. Um, or that pregnant person who comes in and says, you know, I don't want to take my medication because I'm concerned about what it's going to do to my baby. And how do we, mm -hmm. how do we um, empower that person in their mental health and also empower them in their obstetric health? Without judgment. Exactly. So you're kind of a unicorn. Sort of kind of unicorn. <laughs> Well, I'm telling you, you are. That's why I invited you here. Because you're probably one of the most compassionate, respectful physicians here that I've ever met in Georgia. And that our moms really speak, speak highly of you when they encounter you at the hospital. Now, what people don't know is that Dr. Didi is an ally. <laughs> she is a home birth ally only because you're just so very respectful. And I probably shouldn't say it, but I do text you sometimes like, Dr. Didi, are you on call? Because <laughs> we're in home birth and we need to transfer in and I want to take them here where you are at. Um, but it's just such a blessing to be able to, you know, just have a relationship. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. Um, and I think... We have such a long way to go um, because we don't know how to talk to each other mm. um, in, in, within each of our little silos. And I think because we're in each of these little silos, um, we hurt the people that we want to care for more than we, we wow, care for them. Yeah. Um, uh, again, one of the episodes um, for your podcast, one of the guests was talking about having a multidisciplinary team. Right? Mm -hmm. um, and I felt like from my personal experience, the best care that I got was when I was pregnant with my second child. I had 
my perinatologist because I was old and fat. Um, I had my obstetrician because I needed, I had had a previous C-section. Um, and then I had a midwife because mm -hmm. I needed someone who would give me the space to be hormonal sure. and um, help me navigate these parts of becoming a mom a second time and mm -hmm, mm -hmm. all these other things that are going on. So I had all these different people, but I knew they each played a role and yeah. that allowed me to just focus on just being pregnant, which was nice not to have to worry about, you know, if I go to my OB and I say I'm feeling this way, is, is am I going to have the space to discuss this or mm -hmm. you know all those different questions that come up when you're pregnant so and I feel like that's an ideal that's ideal to for me every is. woman to have a professional who's you know is specifically for a certain aspect of care absolutely especially during pregnancy absolutely. and I feel like that is just not existing that that is it's almost non-existent um and how can I say this like it's definitely non-existent in the home birth space. Absolutely. Right? You guys have it hardest. We yeah. have it hardest. We, they are, they hardly talk to us. Okay. We have like it hardest. the clients, if they say anything about home birth, they're getting fired from their provider. Um, and then they're just kind of left out here to fend for themselves. And we're kind of trying to help them, you know, when something goes awry. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's very unfortunate. So yeah. can you tell me why is it like that? Why what is it about home birth that's so horrific? Uh, the position. <laughs> why is it so bad? Um and I understand the things. I just wanna bring the conversation to like the like yeah, Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And I think part of what I um what I've enjoyed with you is that we have because we have a relationship outside of the work yes. relationship. So mm -hmm. I think it fostered the trust. Correct. And You've allowed me to ask questions that other people would be like, "Why are you asking this?" You're questioning me sure. when I wasn't I wasn't questioning you. I was questioning the moment, right? Mm -hmm. Like, how did you, as a professional, as a home birth midwife, how did you navigate this particular sure. moment? Because mm -hmm. I know me as an OB, I would see this and I'd be like, "Oh, I don't know how I'm gonna handle this," right? right? Um, and you know, as we were talking, as we've talked before, I think part of the issue is we don't talk to each other until after we've graduated. Mm. Um, and so we don't really know, I don't really know what you do. And so there's all this mystery about your, you know, you're at home and you're doing these things that are not necessarily what would be done in a hospital setting. Sure. Uh -huh. So a lot of it is ignorance, right? Mm. Uh, some of it is lack of communication, not sure. being able to really really communicate, like really listen to what the person is saying. Mm -hmm. And then, I mean, I hate to say it, some of it is also lack of respect, yeah. right? Respecting the, um, respecting your knowledge in your field, that there are things that you know how to do better than me. Mm -hmm. And then there are things that I know how to do better than you. So how do we, how do we meet each other so that we can, our patients can have the best of both, mm -hmm. right? Right. Um, and then there's also, you know, when you look at the history of obstetrics, we have this really unfortunate foundation. history. Mm. Our foundation is so, um, mm. it's, it's, it's rooted in racism. Mm -hmm. It's mm -hmm. rooted in slavery. It's rooted in colonialism, if yes. you're looking outside of the United States. And when you really think about the history of midwifery, you know, it's almost as if they stamped out, you know, black midwives or granny midwives mm -hmm. or 
the the women at the you know in French it's called femme sage like a, a um, wise woman is what a midwife is it's a wise woman mm -hmm. and it's almost like they stamped all of those and then they sort of put it into a box mm -hmm. and then you have all our my white colleagues not to cast anything on them but that's the history that's of the history. where we are right mm -hmm. which we can't deny exactly and so i think when you put all of that together there is so much midwifery home birth especially has been vilified absolutely right and so how do you how do you clear that up not just between the physicians and the midwives but also between the midwives right how do you counsel patients so that they know what they need to do to have the best the best situation for themselves Got it. right mm -hmm. um because just because you go to a midwife doesn't mean that everything's going to be great mm -hmm. And right. just because you go to a physician doesn't mean everything's going right. to be great. So where is that happy medium where maybe you are the perfect candidate for a, for a midwife, and but if something goes wrong, that midwife has a great relationship with a physician and she can call the physician and say, hey, right. this person really is not in the right spot. Can we transition her care? Mm -hmm. And then she can pick up where you are. And a lot of those those relationships that you and I have, I think, are born out of trust and being able to be candid with each other and not being af afraid of difficult questions sure. and not taking things personally and just really putting it where it is, which is just a conversation. Right. You know? I love what you said about the history mm -hmm. because we can't be mad at women, black women, who are just not feeling safe in different, in different spaces, Absolutely. right? And so even that truth drives decisions Absolutely. for their care that may not be as ideal mm -hmm. and not be probably the safest situation for them. But out of, I'm not going to walk into this space because this is abusive. Mm -hmm. I'm going to do this. Mm -hmm. Those women are highly judged, right? Absolutely. You know, when they are having to face a medical professional, it's like so many things that they are already labeling her as because mm -hmm. of, and no one thinks of, the foundation and the root of everything. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, it's hard. Yeah. I think it's very hard. Um, I know for myself, one of the things that I've been very um, that passionate about over the past few years is mm -hmm. how we train upcoming physicians, right? I have friends who are really focused on the system, mm -hmm. um, like Dr. Karen Scott. They're yeah. like really focused on the system. How do we change the system? Um, mm. And... I, I always say I try to compliment what she does because I'm focused on the people in the system. Mm -hmm. Because if you change the system but you don't change the people, I, I strongly feel the system will reset right where it was. Agreed. Um, and so really thinking, just like you said, how do we, how do we train our up-and-coming professionals to speak to one another, whether they're nurse, midwife students, or medical students? How do we teach mm -hmm. healthcare professionals to speak to people? Because, you know, I've seen midwives who are amazing. And I've trained with midwives who, you know, I, I, I was so fortunate as a resident to sure. train with midwives who mm -hmm. are just, I learned so much from working with mm -hmm. them. And then I've seen midwives who are like, okay, that's not what you're saying, is it? But I'm, I'm going to just sit here in the corner <laughs> just, and just watch it. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. Mm -hmm. You know, and I think it's, um, we have a long way to go. We, yeah. we have, there's so much that we need to change in how we train our upcoming healthcare professional. And it really starts with 
acknowledging where we come from. I know OB, OBGYNs, we have a long way towards acknowledging that. But I was reading a piece about the history of midwifery, and it sounds like there are similar internal, what's the word? This deconstruction. Um, yes, that needs to occur in every part mm -hmm. of healthcare, not just MD, but RN, CNM, PA, sure. et cetera, mm -hmm. et cetera. Mm -hmm. um, but the burden is on us. Mm. You know, I really feel that the burden is on us on how to change things and how to learn to work together and stop um, the distrust, mistrust that that mm -hmm. exists between physicians and midwives, whether they're um, birth center midwives or home birth midwives. Yeah. I think hospital-based midwives we work well with. Right. Um, but well, the system it, works with. The system works well with them. But when it comes to birth center midwives or home birth midwives, that's when things get a little bit Yeah, and I harder. think it's such a disservice that there is not this system that helps accommodate professionals in all spaces for the greater goal of, you know, healthy outcomes for moms while respecting their birth options, right? Mm -hmm. Like, mm -hmm. that's the whole thing that's missing. It's missing, and it's like, it doesn't help anybody. No, but it doesn't. just continues to foster this um, this tone of, like you said, distrust and, and judgment. And it's just an uncomfortable space to be in. It is. It's very everybody. uncomfortable for everyone, right? And um, <clears throat> one of the things that I've been watching with my residents, so um, there's, there's been a new relationship that was established between uh, the Atlanta Birth Center and Morehouse okay. after the closure of AMC. And it's been interesting to watch my residents interact with the women who are who are having to be transferred from the birth center to the hospital um, mm. and really helping the residents reframe how they approach women who are in that kind of transitional space. Yes. And trying to see both sides of the equation, right? There is the side of the equation where I've said to my resident, well, think about it this way. She had never planned on being here. She had planned on being at a birth center. The birth center rooms are so different. They're, it's more um, conducive to having a child, right? Mm -hmm. um, our rooms are not set up to having a child. They're set up to medicalize having a child, which is what we do. That's, that's, that's the what hospital I am, and I'm fine with it. That's who <laughs> I am. That's part of my skill set, right? Sure. But trying to get my residents and my learners to understand, okay, you got to give this person the chance to switch her mindset because mm. you're asking a lot in the moment. Um, and but also understanding where my residents and my fellow colleagues are coming, because, you know, I've had this conversation with some of my uh, midwifery friends. Like you call me when things are falling apart. So the patient is almost always angry at me. Gotcha. Yes. And there a lot of that, a lot of that, yeah, that, yeah, yeah. that discomfort in the conversation is. I never walk in when things are good. I walk in when things are falling apart and I have mm. to pick up the pieces. It's the, you know, postpartum hemorrhage that may not get taken, that may end up having to go to the operating room. It's the, you know, all those complications. And the heightened moment of exactly. some very stressful situation. Exactly. And so we don't get the chance to establish a rapport with the person because the person comes into our setting is already angry. Mm -hmm. Not necessarily angry at me. At the situation. They're right. just angry that they lost this experience that they mm -hmm. had planned on having. Mm -hmm. um, 
they're angry because the people that they relate to that they're comfortable with are not there with them um they're angry because they're scared yes because of everything that they've heard or seen or read and then you know here comes right. my resident or my fellow attending okay you know your baby's not looking so good we're gonna have to have these see i told you that's what in the newspaper that's all they do but the, mm. the whole reason you're here is unfortunately because that's what needs to happen and so and you so know how do you ease that that's how the problem how do you, because this is a highly emotional moment it is. for a mom, let's say transferring in from home birth or the birth center. Mm -hmm. it, it's not what they planned on. Mm -hmm. They're already angry and mad and upset for obvious reasons. But how does the communication be, remain effective between everyone involved? Because like you said, lots of people coming in and out the room. Mm -hmm. Support persons are very uh, protective and mm -hmm. wanting to advocate for a client for their mm -hmm. family member mm -hmm. like there's a lot to navigate there mm -hmm. so how what happens like how do you or how would you advise others you know to like make communication more effective so that it's not a matter of you versus me but a matter of mommy needs this and this is how we have to approach it who uh <laughs> because it's like a lot I think in, in um, if I could imagine the best possible situation, mm -hmm. um, it would start with the midwife and the provider having a relationship outside of the patient, right? right? So that, for instance, with you, if I had a private practice, I'd be like, okay, here's my, here's my card, here's mm -hmm. my pamphlet, here's my whatever. What can I do so that when your patient, your, when the women are coming to you, they know, okay, this is the person, if things go south, this is the person that's going to be on the other end. I think a lot of it for women is the unknown. I don't know you. I don't know your system. Absolutely. I don't know the hospital. I don't know you, and I'm scared, right? And so being able to have that relationship between providers before the transfer, yeah. I think, will make a big difference toward easing the patient's fears. It's like, okay, if Christine trusts her, then I can at least give her like, you know, I'm gonna give her a chance, you know? And I think that part sometimes is missed because of the circumstances. And very non-existent too. Exactly. Um, that's hard. That, that one, <laughs> if that was step one, how do we do that? <laughs> I mean, that's, you know, because to me, that's the biggest, that's the first step. And I mean, and, that, like you said, that's truly ideal to mm -hmm. have that relationship, but that is, the reality we know is the direct opposite. And so is. that is what you're right. That does not help the transfer um, process. No, it doesn't. Will. I try to do my best. Okay. Listen. I listen. When we have moms who transfer in, Dr. Didi, I'm like, here's the fax number. Here's the uh, prenatals. Here's everything. Here's the report. It's this so is what funny we've that done. you said that. Do, 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 do. And it's, it's so great. Funny that you and said then that. it's like, no one cares. <laughs> no, we do. Let me tell you, because I cannot remember. It was a few weeks ago. Somebody mm -hmm. said, oh, this patient, she's at home birth. And Christy, I said, oh, this patient good. Don't worry about it. She got all her stuff done. Just take all the stuff is in place. I said, everything is done. I, like, I can vouch for them. Now, I can't be responsible for how they act. But you got what you need. So to take care you know, of but it makes a difference because when the residents were talking, I was like, no, you can try. I know this healthcare professional. Yes, she's a she's a home birth midwife, but she she has her her whole system very well thought out. She I was like, 
you can trust that the patient has been extremely well taken care of. Just focus on why she's here. You don't mm -hmm. have to worry about what's on the back end. Because a lot of it, like I said, again, for us physicians, we feel like we're we're holding the pot at the very at the very end. Understood. Right. Yeah. Um, a lot has transpired before you exactly. met the patient. Exactly. Mm -hmm. um, so that's part of the sure. the 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 issue. The other part is really teaching. And I had to learn that myself. It's like, how do you walk in the room to talk to this person? Mm -hmm. And how do you give this person space to process everything? Sure. But also try to explain to them, okay, this is why I'm here. This is why you're here. This yeah. is what we're going to do. But you have to give me a chance to do my part. Right. Because I do want what's best for you. Um, and so how do I walk in the room and convey that to her yeah. and to whoever is in the room? And that's where the, the, the notion and the concept of respectful maternity care for me is rooted in that idea of being able to walk in there, acknowledge everyone in the room, acknowledge mm. all mm. the things that are in the room, like yeah. saying, okay, I know this is not where you want it to be, but we will do our best by you. I think sometimes just that sentence yes. makes a difference because- you know, we walk in the room, my resident's like, but I want her to be well. And I say, yeah, but she doesn't know that that's what you want. So you have to verbalize that to her. You have to verbalize that to to her partner, her doula, her mom, whoever's in there. You have to verbalize that. This is so you know? refreshing to talk to you about this because you are, are front line with up and coming physicians, right? Uh, residents, if you will. People graduating to become obstetric doctors. And I feel like a huge part of that is missing where you have to just come bring it back to basics. Like, how would you want people talking to you? Mm -hmm. Put yourself in this woman's shoes. Imagine what it feels like to be here, period. You know what I mean? Especially when you hear all of the mater maternal mortality rates and morbidity rates and, and we're in Georgia and all the things. Like, you have to be respectful. And I feel like it will create a much more positive mm -hmm tone mm -hmm. absolutely we may, may not be able to change how she feels about being there mommy right mm -hmm. but at least she can say well everyone address me accurate you know respectfully mm -hmm. address my spouse you know respected my supportive team that I have with me you know what I mean absolutely and absolutely. I just feel like that's so easy to do but it's not always done I mean you know how they say common sense is not common so <laughs> You know, um, I think one of the things that I had to do when I started looking to how do you teach respectful maternity care? Like, mm. it's like, it's not compassion because I would say that most people who go into healthcare, not all, but most of us are compassionate. Yes. Um, it takes some level of compassion to stay up for 24 hours laboring with <laughs> You're <kids>. right. <laughs> um, I don't think I'm that compassionate. You I don't lie. think I'm you know you at two in the morning. Whew. You're still there. Oh. So, um, so it takes it takes time to it, it it's trying to explain to people it's not about bias. Sure. It's not about compassion. It's about respect. Mm. People say, Well, I did respect. I said, but when you walked in the room, did you say hi to the spouse? I know mm. you said hi to the patient, but did you say hi to the spouse? Did you acknowledge this person was there? When you walked in the room, before you turned the lights on, did you say, hey, is it okay for me to turn the light on? Is it okay for me to pull the sheet? They're like, but I have to check it. I get it, but did you explain to her? And it's like changing how we're trained because yeah. we've been doing the Untraining. same thing for so long. So you're kind of changing some of that aspect of 
of but care. also just bringing more humanity into the space. Yes. We are humans. We are, but remember where we come from. Mm. Right? How that's deep. Remember where we come from. Like, you know, I was rounding with the residents one time and they said, um, something to the effect of the patient had to be in the bed. I said, Well, she gotta be in the bed. Mm. And they're like, what do you mean? I said, well, why does she have to be in the bed? Why is it that the first thing we do when the patient comes in, we have them undressed, we take their underwear off, we put them in the bed, and we strap them? It's like to listen to the baby. I said, but you don't have to do all that to listen to the baby. Mm. I was like, think about where all of this comes from. How did they labor slaves? And if you go back and you take the time to sit in the fact that you know we come from a really dark background but we have this is our chance to change it right we can change the course of how we practice obstetrics like we're really good at what we do i would say mm -hmm. all my residents will make amazing phenomenal OBs, but it's taking the time to teach them those other skills that are not necessarily soft skills but that will allow them to be able to walk in a room and establish a relationship with a patient and that's what I like about being a hospitalist because they don't know me. I don't mm -hmm. know them. I may never see them again. But in that moment, I have to earn their trust so I can be there for them. And that means I have to walk in there and not bring whatever it is that, I, that I'm you. carrying with mm -hmm. me in that room. Um, I have to make grace for the patient even if she hasn't been to prenatal care that used to irk me mm. but then you know i talked to a patient and she said i i was getting prenatal care i didn't like the way i was being treated so right. i stopped going mm -hmm. i was like okay that makes sense mm -hmm. i can't be mad at you about it right and yeah. so it's like really being able to to leave everything that you take you take for granted outside of the room and just be open and it takes time to teach those skills so interesting, you know, I just need you on call every single day. No, nah, no. Nah. Uh -uh. <laughs> Can we just I got clone my baby. You? Can we just <laughs> I got my clone baby. you so that Dr. Dee Dee is who we need? Okay, so let's just shift the conversation. Mm -hmm. Piggybacking off of the fears, right? So mm -hmm. black women are afraid. Yes. Black women who call me for home birth services, even when they're not candidates. I'm afraid to go in there. I don't want to go in there. I'm going to die. You know, everyone's heard this. It's been pounded in our heads, right? Mm -hmm. What is your advice to women who are really, really afraid mm -hmm. to enter the hospital space? That's a that's a tough one to answer. Um, one of my best friends um, that I absolutely love is a doula. Mm -hmm. And we always have these deep conversations. We're like, we should tape our conversations. Mm -hmm. We have these really deep conversations. And we were talking about that. Um, it is, there is a legitimate issue, right? Black women, women of color are not treated Absolutely. as um, humanely as they should be. They're not respected. Their voice is not heard. So mm -hmm. those statistics are true statistics. Sure. But those statistics are not every story, right? And so we're not talking about women who are successful in their pregnancy. We're not talking about the resiliency of black women who, mm. like I know which doctors at AMC tonight, so I'm gonna go get my, my ultrasound tonight because right. I know, mm -hmm. you know, this doctor gonna be there. Like I, I remember AMC, a patient just showed up. We're like, how do you just show up for your C-section? It's like, oh, my last baby, Dr. So-and-so delivered my last baby. He's so I know he gonna take care of me. So I'm coming back for him right. to take care of me. Like we are, resilient mm -hmm. right and mm -hmm. we are really smart and so you know I think 
we need to start talking about the stories of successful pregnancies, of successful outcomes. We need to start talking about, you know, how beautiful it is to be a black mom. Like black motherhood is beautiful. I yeah. fell in love with that. That's why I went into obstetrics. Like it mm -hmm. was fascinating to me. It was just such a beautiful thing. And so, yes, there are the bad stuff, but we also have to start talking a little bit more about the opposite side of the I coin. Agree with and that. I think it will make a difference to allay some of the fears because we've been talking about the bad so much. Sure. It's like every conference you go to, it's like black women are dying, blah, 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 blah. And, it, it, and you think that every black woman who has a baby you is, would is dying, mm -hmm. but that's not true. Okay. It's a high percentage. Yeah. It's an unusually high percentage. It's an unfairly high percentage. It is. But it's still just a percentage. The majority of us have fairly decent pregnancies other than the aches and pains and, mm -hmm. you know, the annoying mother-in-law or, you know, yes. the people in our family who want to come and tell you what to do. We have fairly good pregnancies. We have good outcomes. Um, we have good midwives. We have good physicians. We have mm -hmm. good doulas who help us navigate it. And we have successful outcome, but we're not talking about that. Um, and I think it's important for, for, for the women in our community to hear that, to hear that she, you know, she was pregnant, she had preeclampsia, but her doctor and her midwife or her midwife or whoever was taking care of her was there with her every step of the way. And she went home with a healthy baby mm -hmm. and this is how they took care of her. So I think there is that part of it. And then the other part is ask questions, mm. you know, just like, again, one of your guests said, you interview your physician. Like we interview our, I'm not going to go to any hairdresser. I'm going to be like, okay, so, you know, did you go to her and did you like her? Right. And I'm going to find out who's been to that person and right. how many people have been to that hairdresser before I book an appointment. Why don't mm -hmm. we do the same thing with our providers? Ask questions, mm -hmm. you know? And so what if people are in their feelings about it, right? That's their problem. That's, their That's problem. not your problem. Mm -hmm. You know, when I was in private practice, I always told patients, go get a second opinion. They're like, no, no, I was, go get a second opinion because how I see it may not be how they see it. Mm -hmm. It will not hurt my feelings if you go to that person. I want you to go where you feel safe, that what you, what you need is going to be delivered to you the way it needs to be delivered to you. And if I'm not that person, it's okay. I'm not that person. But we, we have to start asking questions. We have to start interviewing our providers. You know, um, I told a, a friend of mine that the other day, she was dealing with some infertility issues mm -hmm. and now she's pregnant. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, who's your doctor? She said, well, I just picked a GYN for infertility. I said, well, do you like your GYN? Well, no, but I'm already there. I said, so what? You don't have every, to stay there. If time, you're not happy, then yeah. every time your physician says to do something, even if it's the right thing, you're going to question it because you are not comfortable. It doesn't mean that that provider is a bad provider. It just means that that provider is not the right provider for you. Especially if they don't like you questioning, right? Exactly. Because there are a lot of there's a lot of that. Absolutely. Right? You, should you ask be a question suspicious. and you just for true knowledge because you don't know something mm -hmm. and they are in their feelings. Oh, well go and get somebody else because this is how we do it and, and if that's the case, that's fine. You know that's your ticket, your reason to leave. But there is a lot of discomfort around people asking questions about their own health care, which is crazy. It, again, it's rooted in history. 
we never asked questions before. It comes right back to that. It does. That's just the bottom line. That's the bottom line. And some of it in the Southeast, I I remember when I first, because I did my training in New York. So I did my residency in New York and then I came down South. And I remember thinking my patients in New York, if I said you need a hysterectomy, they'd be like, okay, how are you going to do it? How many have you done? Et cetera, et cetera. And then they, like, they would come, they would come for me. (laughs) And I had to be able to answer the questions yeah. versus I came down south and I was like, oh, you need a hysterectomy. OK, so when do I have one? And I'm like, don't you have any questions? Don't Got you want to know about alternatives? So if you really think about our history here in the south, we're not used to questioning. Think about it. We're not used to questioning. Right. Mm-hmm. So when we were having babies, we're not used to questioning. When they said you're not feeling pain, we're like, OK, well, I guess I must not be feeling pain, even if I'm dying. I must not be feeling anything because you're telling me that I'm not feeling anything. We're not used to questioning down here. And we have to start questioning. We have to start asking questions. And then the flip side of it is as providers, we have to start learning to listen to the question that it's not an attack, it's a genuine, I'm scared, can you please answer this for me? Right, right, right. right. Um, Receiving it. Exactly. But you know, full transparency. It took, it's, it's been a journey for me to get to a point where when patients ask questions, I'm like, oh, okay, sure. You know, what do you want to know? Or sometimes I'll be in there and I'll say to the patient, okay, this is what's going to happen. But if there's an emergency, I may not have a chance to answer your question. Got it. So please answer, ask me the questions now, because if something goes wrong, I will try to and tell you what we have to do. being built. Exactly. Right. But I may not have the chance to sit and explain it all to you because I have to put your baby's health ahead. And I do the same at home, right? You know, they're like, how do you handle complications? And I'm like, well, I can run down the list of things I've experienced in the home setting, but when it's happening, Mm -hmm. there may not be a lot of time to have a conversation about what needs to happen ASAP. Absolutely. You know, so that goes back to just communicating. Absolutely. And you can foster a relationship by asking questions and engaging the provider. Absolutely. If the provider's not receptive to the conversation, that's then that needs provider. to be, that's not your provider. That's but if it provider. is, then they know, I mean, okay, this is, we're having conversations around this woman's care. Mm-hmm. She wants to know quite things. She has questions. She wants to make sure she's making the right decision. And mm-hmm. I feel like, why can't everybody, why can't we just? Because it's hard. You know, in the moment, it's hard. If you think about how, you know, busy you are in, yeah. in the hospital setting, because that's the other thing, too, yeah. is that we take care of the patients who are generally the unhealthiest. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so when you think about the acuity of the service that we provide, yes. it's like, I just want to be able to go in there and say, okay, this is what needs to happen. Right. And so when you're asking me to stop and explain, it's sure. like I have to slow down everything when I'm thinking about you and then I'm thinking about the woman down the hall and then I'm thinking about the patient down the hall whose baby doesn't look good and I'm gonna have to go do a c-section but you're asking me to stop and explain to you why you have to be on Pitocin you know what I mean and so it's like again it goes back to us retraining ourselves as providers to really step back and think okay how if I was in her in the bad how would I want somebody to walk in here and talk to me? And then the system isn't conducive to that type of care. It's not. It's not set up for time to talk. You know, like extensive extra time because you are managing more we do. than one we do. mom. But I think it's there is value in 
modifying the system, mm -hmm. if you can't change it all the way, there is value in creating the time. Mm -hmm. Like one of my best residents, she'll be like, okay, listen, I got to go talk to somebody. I'm, I'm going to be back. When I come back, I'm right. going to sit with you. And mm -hmm. she will go do what she needs to do. And then she'll come back and she'll sit with the patient. She'll have a whole conversation with the patient. And I think part of what makes her so successful when she, re and she interacts with patient is that she follows through. She's mm. like, I heard you. I just can't do this right, right now, now. Mm -hmm. but I'm going to come back and we're going to do this. And on right? the flip side, on the client side, in that same situation, hey, can I get 10 minutes to think about that? Or can you come circle back around? Because I do have mm -hmm. some questions. Like, both parties can make a way. Absolutely. Because you have to. Absolutely. You have to. So. so. You need to come back. Are you going to come back and talk to me? Are you going to chat me? <laughs> This is great. <laughs> this is a great interview. You and I always do good. We do. <laughs> we always do good. All we need is a little food. And then That's just, it. And be some perfect. wine and we're good. We're <laughs> wine and cheese girls. Okay, Dr. Didi, can you tell the people, how can they find you? Uh, they can't. Why? Because I'm a to. hospitalist. <laughs> we want to, uh, where? Uh, can we say the where? No. We can't say <laughs> I'll just text her and say where you at, and that's where we're coming. Thank you for coming. Thank you for having me. This was fun. I always learn a lot when you and I talk. It's same. You know, I learned a lot from you. This was great. Like it was. this was really eye opening. But see, that's the but thing. I wanted we just to, need put, to do more of this. We will. You know? And I feel like I wanted you to be here because you know when people think of like physicians and doctors, it's just a role mm -hmm. versus a human mm -hmm. side, right? Yeah. And so you were the perfect human <laughs> to come in your profession, to come and talk to us about all of this. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, we're friends. We are. But you have a very uh, balanced, centered, respectful way of your perspective on everything just makes it more receivable, like more, more receptive. You know what I'm saying? The information that you share. But I think, you know. It makes it more receptive because we're not able, we don't get this opportunity to really talk. But it's, it's like you, you know, it's like you had your journey because you weren't always a home birth midwife. No, right. right? And it's, it's been the same for me. It's like yeah, growing and understanding mm -hmm. and, and really thinking about, like I fell in love with OB, but now it's like how do I, how do I make it a more humane mm -hmm. thing? Like how do I become more humanistic in how I take care of people or yeah. how I bring the things to the table mm -hmm. and how we take care of each other, sure. right? Like yes. coming away from I'm going to take care of you to we're going to take care of you. So yes, yes, what yes. do I need to hear from you? And right. then can you hear me? Mm -hmm. And then we can do this together. And I think midwives do that so much better than physicians do. And we have to learn this, you know, so. Well, I appreciate you. I appreciate you. Oh, my gosh. We're just missing the other midwives and the doulas. And we the, are. this would be perfect. Yes, absolutely. This is a birth Thank exchange you podcast. You're welcome. Thanks for coming. Girl, I was nervous. <laughs> oh, my God. Dr. St. Louis. <laughs> I don't know why you were nervous. This is a birth exchange podcast, and we learned a lot from Dr. Dee Dee today. And basically, she says to stand in your resilience because you are strong women who can take care of your bodies. You know what's best for your bodies. And we also learned a really good history lesson here as to the, why the tone of care is what it is today, especially in Georgia. So we thank you so much for coming to join us today. Like, subscribe, share, follow, and all the things. 
and we'll see you on the next episode.